That's right, envy me. That's my wife, those are my kids, and I sell women's shoes. What am I worried about? I was dead before I got here. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? Whoa! No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Jerry, Justin, and Al. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Married with Children podcast. We have made it to season two. Yes, we have, and we are ready and raring to go. But first, let me introduce to you the man who met Andy Griffith, Jerry. What's up, Jerry? I shook him in his hand. I looked him in the eyes, and I said, thank you. Thank you for everything. I'm doing good, Al. How you doing? Pretty good. It is quite an honor, I've heard. I've been to the gymnasium where you give your whole thing, so yeah. Pretty amazing, man. And uh, I'm here with the other guy who, uh, he was so scared his hair turned white. Justin, what's up, man? Yeah, everybody keeps thinking I'm albino, but I'm like, hey, I'm half Mexican, dude. Definitely not albino. Yeah, and you're just real scared. <laughs> I just want to know what, what scared you. Uh, Alright guys, well it is season 2, like I said, this is a special, really special season 2 opener for our uh, podcast because we are reviewing a two-part episode this week. It is called Poppies by the Tree. Uh, I guess we should take note that uh, the last episode of season 1, Johnny Be Gone, aired June 28th of 87, so people only had to wait... July and August, and by September, season two of Married with Children was already airing. Late September. Now it's nowhere near under a year, you know? <laughs> like most <laughs> most shows that are notable are year waits. At the beginning of the show we started here, I gave everyone's ages, so now I was going to go just up at a year starting every new season, but... I don't even know if it's that accurate now, so I'm going to give everybody a round number. So everyone's ages for season two, Al is, now, and these are all real life ages, Al is 41, Peg's 34, Kelly is 16. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> we both said damn it at the same time. <laughs> Bud is 14, Steve is 35, Marcy's 30, Buck is 4, and the guy who's not on the show yet, Jefferson, in real life, he's 30, waiting to come on. <laughs> Like I said, this one's called Poppies by the Tree. The Bundys run into a tourist-hating axe murderer while on vacation. The way uh, this whole thing opens up, it's it's pretty interesting. They created this whole psycho Bates Motel-ish type storyline in Dumpwater, Florida in September of 1967 an axe-wielding maniac. Uh, they show flashbacks. It's really kind of very different and cool. They show flashbacks from like an aged black and white uh, little clip where there's a couple in this rundown motel. Harold, this place stinks. I don't know why you took me here. The air conditioner isn't working. 
The room service is terrible. And will you listen to that radio? This place is a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And what about the towels? I asked for towels. How come they don't have towels in this place? This place is a disgrace. It's a disgrace. <laughs> Finally. Come in. A disgrace. Where are the towels? I don't see any towels. Well, what is that behind your back? What boy? And uh, it's funny because in the beginning of this episode, they even like spell it out for people because they're like, it's black and white and everything. Like, yes, you are watching Married with Children, guys. <laughs> this that that intro was killing me. The text opening like <laughs> saying it'll be back in color soon. We swear that was very telling of of the times. Yeah, like almost like someone thought their TV would have been messed up or something. And they were like, you know what? Let's get ahead of the the curve here and let everyone know your TV is not broken. No need to turn the channel. This right. is, we're just setting up a, we're setting up the atmosphere here. Yeah. It's like Arsenio Hall. No need to adjust the color on your television. I'm black. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, interesting to start a, you know, season opener like that, where it's like completely different than anything we've seen thus far in season one. And I do think some people would be like, wait a minute, did I sit on the remote and change the channel? You know, why is this black and white and looks nothing like Married with Children? <laughs> yeah. But the scene of, of the murder is so cheesy, you couldn't help but think this is not a real movie. Like, this has to be a joke for Married with Children. But <laughs> uh, so this this killer strikes every five years. So it started off in 67, 72, he kills again. In 1977, he kills again. In 82, he kills again. And now it's 1987. And that is what threw me for a loop because I was like, wait, season one was 1987. So how, and I remember the reason people always think Marrow Children went for only 10 years is because a lot of the times they see the dates and it says from 87 to 97. So in a weird way, Married Children was like ahead of the game because they started so early in the year in April of 87 that that season ended and season two started in September. Yeah, well, yeah. let's also think about like season one was Fox's first big go. There was only 13 episodes. So mm -hmm. I, it was really a trial run for them. And I'm sure that as soon as they got like three or four episodes, in, probably four episodes in, they were just like Justin and it clicked and... They were like, we got to make more. Justin loves this episode. We have yeah. to do it. <laughs> do you guys find it even more shocking then? If we're talking three months now and in the same year and literally in the sense where the show is such a hit that they said, no, we're going to crank them out. We're just going to put them out when all the shows start this year, even though we already started early this year. Don't you aren't you so amazed? at the evolution of this Bundy family already. Yes, honestly, because this episode, I feel like you start getting way more into Bud. Like, 
Mm -hmm. I'll say for this episode, I was like, get it, bud. Well, you definitely spend just way more time with the kids in general. This is the most time we've ever spent with the kids, for sure. Even the evolution of the characters, like, Kelly is a polar opposite of what she was in season one. She is the Kelly we've all come to know and love. Not not as dumb, but the look? Okay, yeah, the look-wise, I was (laughs) going to say, like, she's still, like... She was boy crazy in the first one, but it, a lot of times focused more on her popularity for the big parts. And in th- this episode, like I kind of feel is when they're going, all right, we're going to focus more on her her boy side than the popularity side. As to where Bud, they weren't, they only focused on him tormenting his sister, and now we're going to focus on Bud actually being a character and being interested in girls. And it's funny because he actually is semi successful here with a girl, and his whole uh, thing later on is that that is the complete opposite. So it's funny. He still has not landed his character yet, but I thought he was given a lot of great lines. I thought he did really well. And um, I was just really happy because it's funny. I know all these things. I know where it's all going, but now that I'm sort of paying attention a little closer, I was so happy to see how this is all shaping up. And this episode, like even Peg, I don't know if you noticed, but she's even different than she was in season one. I know that she is now to the point where they're like really hammering in the like she doesn't clean or cook or anything jokes, which I know you told me was coming. Mm -hmm. Like uh, when that when the killer has her tied up, she says she loves to cook, clean, sew, knit, you know, like all this stuff, vacuum. She's like, what's that thing that you push across the floor? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, and it's like, wait, why is she acting like she's so anti all this? Well, you'll see. But yeah, I mean, and it wasn't that obvious in season one. So she changed her whole, her whole demeanor has changed. Al has completely changed, but it's funny because you saw hints of this change from him at the end of season one, more around Johnny be gone, but he really is beginning to, uh, he just has this whole, he has like this kind of goofiness to him now, but cool at the same time. Like he's able to walk the finest line from being a goofy old guy dad to a cool dad. I I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but like, or maybe it's just how you're presenting it. But like, it sounds like you're presenting it as these changes are like so major. But for me, I'm like, no, a lot of this was in season one. I feel like I pointed out a lot of it in season one. Like, I think they're, the characters are developing more and we get to see more of those sides. But, like, to me, everybody in episode one and two of season one and two are the exact same people of season one. They're just flushing out more specific sides of them. Yeah, I, I just can't see the guy from 16 years and what do you get? Got, taking a plastic fork going, <laughs> and and running around a chair with an axe murderer running behind him. Like, that, I just don't see that happening. So if you see that... There's a lot more slapstick in this, like, episode specifically, but, like, the character himself is still, like, the same character from season one to me. Like, uh, okay. I know everyone says, like, all the characters, oh, in season two and three, they become, like, completely different characters. But for me, it's still like I said it in season one. I'm going to go back at the end of this, watch season one 
and the characters that I, I that I saw and love, I'm going to see all their seeds in season one, that the core is still there. They just choose to flesh out certain angles in later seasons as the character develops. I, I think that Al is definitely, and I don't know for the rest of the season, but in this episode in particular, like I remember early in the first you know, couple episodes of season one, he seemed almost grumpy at times. Right. And, and like more like just stern. And now he does seem a little bit more goofy. Right. And it's, it's a cool goofy. It turns out to be a cool goofy here. And it still is here. And like the, like the amazing things like him telling the girl to lay the towel on the ground over there and the way he looks right in front of Peg. I mean, let's even compare that to something like him watching Patsy, a stewardess in training. The, the way the two things came off are vastly different. Him sitting there, he's like, not, it's not mindless. Do we really ever know what it takes for these girls to be stewardesses compared to uh, the face he made when the girl was laying the towel down? Like, the totally goofy... Like, dude, it is so different here. I, I just... I, it's, to me, it's still the same owl. Like, it doesn't... Like, I don't see as big of a difference between season one and season two owl yet. Now, maybe later on... And I'm saying this because maybe later on in season two, I'm going to switch sides and be like, Alex, you were right. Yeah, leave feedback on our Facebook group page under the when we post this show in your comments. Uh, let us know if you guys think that this is a uh, you know they somebody sat down and said, okay, we're we're taking these characters new direction, guys. Here's what we're doing. We think you guys have the potential for this. We'd really like to explore that. We're gonna make Kelly this. She will no longer have this like nice neat hair she's not wearing button-up shirts anymore that cover her whole body anymore she's you know it's this is going to be far different tell me more about uh her not covering up her skin uh we'll see <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that okay it's vacation time peg kids we're going to poppies by the tree in picturesque dump water florida it's <laughs> <laughs> an excitement well, I guess it's up to me. Dad? Yes, bud? I thought we all voted on Hawaii. That was just a vote, bud. Didn't mean anything. Now, <laughs> honey, you promised this year we could take a real vacation. You know, someplace where we don't look out our windows and see chain gangs working? <laughs> Come on, Peg. We still sing those songs we learned down there. <laughs> but this year I found something really special. Look at this brochure, Peg. Now, this place has everything Hawaii has. It's got sunshine, a palm tree, a quicksand. <laughs> but the best part is, it's in the United States. So are the sewers of Manhattan, Dad. Or am I spoiling next year's vacation? <laughs> Al, we all appreciate your efforts at finding the cheapest places in America. But Dumpwater, Florida, Al? You're going to judge a place by its name. If we did that, we never would have experienced Six-Toe, Arkansas. <laughs> Remember that soup, kids? And don't forget those underground fires. <laughs> Dumpwater's gonna make Six-Toe look sick. And, and the best part is, it's only $8 a night. And the reason they're gonna go there is because the motel is $8 a night. And JP, you don't even have to get your calculator out, because so far, everything's <laughs> been three times the amount. So it's $24 a night today. <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah, $8 a day is, like, insane. <laughs> I, I work in the hotel industry, and, you know, 
on a slow night, rooms are at least like a hundred and nineteen dollars. You know, <laughs> why would someone pay a hundred and nineteen dollars to take a hook? I mean, one hundred nineteen dollars. <laughs> that's pretty okay. Yeah. Yeah, but I will tell you that Chicago, Illinois to Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, is about 14 hours, 32 minutes, which is 963.6 miles driving. So they they would have driven 14 hours? 14 and a half. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's that, that's insane. <laughs> uh, so they drove the family car. And at this point, uh, you know, Al's car is legendary, but we're not going to say the name of it until they do. But I'm just going to say in this two-part episode they did not but in the next episode they do finally say what kind of car he has so i was waiting to hear that because you know when they mentioned the family car i guess they were trying to talk about it like it's a you know a clunker but i was like go ahead go ahead say it say it and they didn't say it (laughs) (laughs) so What is the place they're going to stop off and see the house that defies gravity? I was so upset that they never touched on that again because I want to know because like the only thing that kept popping to my in Panama City Beach, Florida, there is a place called Wonderworks and it's, it's a big tourist place. You go in there and you play games, whatever. But the building is upside down. So when you look at the, 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 the building, it's it looks like it's completely upside down. Like, like it's bigger on top than it is on the bottom? No, like the roof is going into the ground. The door <laughs> is upside down. Like uh, like, the, like if you had lifted the building up out of the ground, turned it upside down, and then just set it back down. Wow. That's weird. It must get wet inside when it rains. <laughs> huh? It never gets wet when I go in. But that's pretty typ- typical. Now, what a great idea. Like, this is where the writers of this show really started to just take off. I mean, all these little things now, they're going to completely flesh out and make hilarious, starting from even Marcy lending the Bundys their luggage. I love that. That was a a really funny scene. (laughs) The idea that she would give them a luggage and then... Steve comes in and gives him all the crap luggage that's stuck in the garage or attic somewhere. Like, that's so funny. And the, the writers are the incredible uh, Michael Moyer and Ron Levitt, the guys who started this show. Mm-hmm. Peggy's like, we'll treat it like our own. And and she's like, well, I can't give it to you then, Marcy. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the doorbell rings and she throws the camera to someone else. <laughs> that's, like, so funny. Is it just me or is Peg sort of attractive in this episode. Yeah, I was going to bring it up when they when they get down there. Right. Because not only is she pretty attractive, I used to live in Florida, and Al is dressed in the most Floridian tourist way <laughs> possible. He shows up. I know this is kind of jumping ahead. No, dude. The way they dress. Blue hat, white sunglasses, <laughs> yellow shorts, and a floral... A button-up T-shirt is literally like the stereotype Florida tourist old man (laughs) outfit. Right. (laughs) And that's what I'm talking about. Like the goofiest, goofiest thing. Like it's it's like just some old dad embarrassed to, you know, he's becoming the kind of dad that you tell them to drop you off three blocks away from where your friends are and then you'll walk, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and especially with the car he has like everything about it it's 
it's him having a sense of humor about himself, but unknowingly, of course. It ain't like he isn't on the joke, but there's just a sense of humor about Al as a whole that's here that it, that just wasn't in season one. In season one, he was like a normal guy who just had to deal with like insane circumstances and is a sarcastic you know, jerk to everybody. And now it's just so different and it's so amazing. Like what a great, great idea to take his character in that place and in all these little nuanced ways, even the way he dresses. This is a landmark show because this is the first show where the, a staple that goes on for forever, seemingly. Well, maybe this is just one of those mystery weekends. It was no mystery, Mom. Dad was just too cheap to take us someplace nice, and we're going to be butchered. Thank you, Father, kids. Thanks, Dad. Well, they, they did that once in season one. That's what I was wondering. I was wondering if I just missed that. Damn, I can't remember what episode it is off the top of my head, and I could probably look at my notes and find it, because I remember when they sat in here, I wrote my notes, oh, I'm so glad they brought this back, because I love that joke. Oh, wow. Okay, because... It's funny because I I watched ahead and uh, after we get out of this two-parter, the next episode that we're going to review, they do it there too. I was like, okay, yeah, this must have just started now. Yeah, so like, like, what, three episodes in a row they're about to do it? Because they do it, this is a two-parter, but they do it in episode one and episode two. (laughs) Exactly. Alex, I got a question for you. You're you're married, no kids yet, but when you have kids, are you going to have them born in Dumpwater, Florida. Yeah, if my wife's pregnant, we're going to get in the car and rush on over to Dumpwater, Florida so our child could be born there. Thank you, officer. Yeah, because no, I just want my kids to be born in the town that has a television set. Hey, <laughs> television set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they 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 were so annoying and it's funny cuz that guy um who was like the annoying guy was like oh no we don't have a television the town does him he is such a jerk and all that kind of like miss you know uh like really deceiving advertising i guess that his hotel or motel has it's so annoying the whole time and then all of a sudden he goes uh well enjoy your stay folks and remember our motto if we don't have it you should have brought it with you (laughs) remember our motto we don't have it. And he puts his hand out for a tip and now goes, yeah, our motto is we don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that couldn't have been set up better, man. That's all right, though, because I'm going to entertain Peggy myself. That's how I feel about her in those pink shorts. Yeah, something about her short, those, like, short shorts or whatever she was wearing. And then when she was laying on the bed, <laughs> like, I was like, what am I looking at here? Why is she semi-attractive? Yeah, well, to be fair, I never found Peg or uh, Marcy, Katie Seagal. God, no, Katie Seagal. (laughs) I never found her not like. I never found her like hideous. Like I've always thought she was had her moments, you know. Yeah, she has her moments, and she gets better looking as the show goes on. Honestly, yeah, which is weird because she's thirty three here. Girls are in their prime in their twenties. And somehow, as she's creeping over to the 40s, she actually gets a nice look to her, you know? Uh, One thing that's interesting about this episode is, I believe since we've been talking, you know, recording the podcast, I think this is the first episode that I actually remember that I had seen before. You guys know that I'm not a huge 
uh, follower of the show in the past. It's kind of all new to me, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that I've seen this episode because I remember when they go into the bedroom and the lawnmower is on the bed. That's the mm. one thing that stuck out to me. <laughs> how random is that? It's Actually, so random. <laughs> funny enough, Alex, remember how I told you that when I got the idea to do the show for Kill the Cast, I had watched Married with Children over at uh, Kenneth's house. Oh, yeah. You said season two. Yeah. We had started. He was starting season two. So the first episode we had watched because we watched like six episodes. We watched uh, Poppy at the tree. That is so cool. I'm so happy to hear. I know this sounds so lame, but I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> like people are just whipping Married with Children DVDs out when people come over their house. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. so amazing. To yeah. Me. So, I mean, but it is because Kenneth had just bought the Mill Creek box set. And so he was watching through the whole series because he's just that kind of guy. And uh, I, luckily enough, I was there. Because think about it, Alex, you you love coincidence. If he had not been watching Married with Children, I would have never have done, never have had the idea to do it on Kill the Cast. And I would not be here. You would be here with Justin and, I don't know, Michael J. <laughs> yeah, please. I'm trying to have a free a show free of him in this world. <laughs> Kenneth changed our the course of our life in some way. That's pretty amazing. Like, just doing that, like, wow. And I, I always liked him right from the beginning. Something about Kenneth always, like... Between Married with Children and Sons of Anarchy, you're set. Yeah, like me and him are both like obsessed with shows that both have Katie Seagal on them. It's kind of weird. Oh, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Wait, wait, we have mommy issues. <laughs> <laughs> Back on topic. One of my favorite lines ever is in this show, and it's in the scene that's coming up. And it's when uh, uh, Kelly goes, you know, I think if I can get a rope over that beam, I can hang myself. And Bud <laughs> goes, I'll help you find one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so messed up. The, the one of the things I love about Married with Children is the way they do some of their jokes. You a lot of times you can see the joke, you see the setup, and then you see the punchline. Right. And Married with Children, but then there's a second punchline. Yes, and then with Married with Children, you get your your setup, your punchline, and then someone else throws an extra punchline in there, and you're just like, I didn't even see it coming. It's so yeah, good. you're right. You're absolutely right. I, I I've always thought that subconsciously while watching this show, but you're absolutely right. That oftentimes you see where the joke's going, and then the punchline comes, and you're like, yeah. And then somebody else adds to it, and you're like, oh, but I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it's a one-two knockout. Let's look at our uh, complimentary dump water Floridian and see what the town has to offer. Uh, where's the entertainment section? Ah, page two. Okay, here we go. Uh, okay, oh, look. Uh, there's a two-headed pickled goat down by the courthouse. Oh, well. Let's do something we can't do at home. Uh, fine. How about uh, looking for a good meal? Let's not argue. As pathetic as it is, you are my husband, and this is our vacation. Ah, oh, that's the spirit pig. Uh, uh, look here. Tonight at the high school, meet the man who met Andy Griffith. The newspaper joke, where it's page one, he goes, oh, page two. And, and he, he just, just turns it over. Flips it over. Yeah. Like, I did not actually see that joke coming. 
Like <laughs> that is that is such a great joke about how small this town is that their newspaper <laughs> is is just front and back and that's it. But I did not see it coming. Uh, no, that I, I I didn't know. No. Because I was too focused on the two-headed pickle goat, meet the man who met Andy Griffith. At Dude, the, the at meet the, the man that met Andy Griffith thing is great. <laughs> do, you, do you know how famous I would be in this world if, if that was ever something to care about? Because <laughs> I have met over a hundred famous movie stars and TV stars. So I, it would be like, meet the man who met. And you'd have to get like both sides of that paper to tell them how many people I met. <laughs> what, if, what if Don Knotts had just failed at life after Andy Griffith and he just <laughs> went around and he was just like, that was his catchphrase. Come to my show and meet the man who met Andy Griffith. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> like, oh my God. It's so funny because they picked a name that's famous enough, but still like, that we don't care enough that it's like who cares that's southern famous like if they had redone that joke it would literally be meet the man who met jeff foxworthy i knew you were gonna go there (laughs) (laughs) i saw that joke coming the town now is there are such a bunch of low lives you know it's so funny they're not particularly mean or anything or anything like that but there are just scene there is a scene that doesn't make any sense that uh, i will have to point out because it's just a little too TV show-ish for me. Like, the way this town behaves during a certain part. But uh, but for now, let's just say... So the town is so jaded by this killer. And they know that he only kills tourists. Even though they don't know who he is. They actually don't know who he is somehow. I don't know how. I mean, the town is so small. This guy just does what he does and I suppose gets away with it. He just leaves and then they find the bodies at midnight or whatever they said. So they're they're so jaded that they're actually betting what time the Bundys will be killed by this guy. Like they don't even care. There's only one person who cares. Uh, her name is Becky. And let's talk about the first hot chick of season two. I mean, she's very Southern and... Um, you know, like the whole, but like extreme Southern, like you wonder if she's like an inbred or whatever, but not to that point, really. I can put your mind to ease, Alex. Being from Alabama myself, um, I don't have gaydar, but I do have inbred dar. And, uh, <laughs> did you measure the distance between her eyes? Uh, well, that I had to see how she pronounces y'all. Um, there were a few other things. I don't want to give away all my secrets. Uh, next thing you know, you'll be asking about an Alabama hot pocket, and I'm not ready to explain that to you. Mm. But she is 100% not inbred. Well, you're inbred, so what are the signs of how you say y'all? If you, well, I had to go to uh, speech therapy class to fix mine, but if you, like, you just say y'all. Y'all. Yeah, y'all. Like, hey, y'all over there. You just say it like that. Like, you talk like this. You say, y'all. If you don't have, like, if you're so inbred that you go, hey, y'all. Like, if you <laughs> pronounce that A, we got problems. We okay. got, I, I need, your, your mom's your cousin and your dad's your uncle. We need to stop. Uh, so. Hold up. Before yeah. you go on, before we leave Becky or get more into Oh, Becky, yeah. Let's not leave Becky. Let's talk about this towel incident. I got to say <laughs> about the towel. Yeah, I wanted to go there because. Man, Peggy is vicious, but Al has the meanest comeback I have ever heard. You look like a nice couple. Uh, you too. 
I picked this towel special for you. Don't tell anybody that I gave it to you. Is there anything else I can do for you? Gee, I don't know. Al, you want her to bend over again, you know, to pick up your tongue or anything? <laughs> Uh, Peg, just stand there and age. I'm busy. Uh, oh. I was like, I was just like picturing, like, Alex, if you said that to your wife right. while you were looking at another, I would get stabbed by a butterfly knife. It's funny because Al is seven years older than Peg and I'm 10 years older than my wife. So me and him are coming from the same place, basically. So I suppose I could say that. But to me, it's weird because... It seems out of place because I'm the old one here. So for me to say anything about aging is, would be out of place. So same with Al, honestly. It goes back to what you said, though, about when when what society thinks of women in their prime and men in their prime. Men age more gracefully. You know, we can get like uh, distinguished, distinguished looking um, mm-hmm. and women don't. So it doesn't really matter that you're 10 years older. You say some shit like that and we're going to be attending your funeral. Your husband really is sweet. That must be why the flies love him. (laughs) Don't you forget to use that special towel now. But that whole Becky scene, I mean, this is where we get the quintessential Al Bundy. There's a legendary scene coming up in about two or three seasons where a girl's walking through a supermarket and Al just kind of stalks her through the aisles and picks up food off the shelf and just tosses it down like behind her and he goes excuse me miss you dropped your whatever you know and then uh, she goes oh thank you sir and she bends over and gets in he goes thank you and then he just keeps doing this three or four times and then the joke eventually is what he threw down to make was the dumbest thing to throw down <laughs> but uh uh, so this is, it was so cool to see this, man. Like literally, you know, I always took it for granted when I saw this stuff before, but now that we're doing this show and I'm watching it all unfold, it is so great to see the look he gives when she's bending over and putting his towel down, man. And the look Peg gives, it is all just perfection. And it's, it's a sign of God. I'm in for like the greatest four five or six seasons of this podcast (laughs) yeah but becky's not all that great because when they're making the 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 pot for their betting hey becky you want in still a couple of times left in the lottery no i think it's terrible you betting on what time that poor obnoxious family's gonna get chopped into little bitty pieces and for what twenty dollars it's up to 25. I'm in. <laughs> and all of a sudden, now she's in for five more dollars. Right. <laughs> Her moral compass goes. I, again, that's like TV show stuff right there, you know? <laughs> right, because for four times that amount, she's not interested. But for that, for one fifth of it now, it's suddenly appealing. Yeah, it just, I just thought that was... I honestly think it's hilarious watching the the Southern people react with the Bundys because we think of the Bundy as poor as poor and now we're seeing them with people that are like really poor like can I hit you yeah is there any actual food here do I just stand by a bug light with my mouth open 
Hey, even bumpkins have feelings, Kel. <laughs> what do you want? A bus ticket in a real family. But for now, I'll settle for a couple of burgers. Two burgers, beanie. <laughs> How about you? Is he the cook? Yeah. I'll have a Coke. <laughs> Unopened. You know, Kelly orders a few burgers and... Before I, I don't I don't even recall if she eats them, but all I know is Mm-mm. no, she she's out of there. Yeah, she is out of there, and she she immediately, like Jerry alluded to earlier, becomes, and I love it because I'm a guy. So what do I what am I worried about? I might be number five hundred and seventy two, but hey, I have a chance one day, because Kelly is just guy crazy, and these guys are not much better looking than me, so that gives me more hope. <laughs> she goes up to this guy who's wearing a uh, button-up collar, uh, armless shirt, <laughs> and it's the buttons are completely opened, and he is carrying an axe. <laughs> and she goes up to him, doesn't speak a word, and just walks out with him. And uh, that's I, I I took that as like a red herring, almost. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, supposed to be. But yeah, then so we they, got they, a. They do have some cool like. Actual, you know, obviously us recording this for some of the listeners might not know, but we we have backgrounds in horror films as well. And uh, they they definitely have a few like horror film tropes in here, which is a nice nod. And it's cool to see since they're kind of, you know, blueprinting the episode around like slashers and stuff. Yeah, like the point of view shot. And I I do like that we got another, like we got that kind of big red herring, but we got a really small red herring like right afterwards. Hot dude grabs an axe and walk away, and then the cook comes up and he goes, "I'm gonna go axe the burgers now." Yeah, and then Bud's like, "We're not gonna hear any screaming, are we?" Is, is it just me or Bud the star of this episode? Yeah, with his his chick Gloria. Bud is is he was in the war. He's a vice cop from Chi Town, <laughs> but his parents are the biggest cock block. There he is. <laughs> Bud, did you take your milk of magnesia? (laughs) Bud, how do you expect to get rid of that constipation if you won't take your laxatives? Hey, Bud. You made a little friend, huh? Yeah, and you can help. You got any pictures of me on the potty you'd like to show him? Well, excuse us, Mr. Sensitive. (laughs) You shouldn't be doing this online at a pharmacy to me. (laughs) <laughs> you're doing it in public when I'm with a girl who's my age and who has an obvious interest of some kind in me <laughs> on this vacation. Hey, Goob. <laughs> that radio upstairs stinks. I'm paying $8 American. I'd get one of these guys out of the pig pen. Let's get that thing working, huh? Hey, who wants some down-home cooking? Hey, Elmo. Littles for the family. Uh, Al. Honey, maybe you should be a little nicer to these people. I don't think they like us. Hey, Peg, I get yelled at all year long. Now, this is my money and my vacation. It's my turn to be the customer. But, Al, it's obnoxious. So what? What are they going to do, kill us? (laughs) Uh, You know, we talked about the point system. I think last year, Peg won the sex points, six to two. Now, on this episode, Peg wants to have sex, and... Al says he wants to he has to take Dramamine first, but well, what is that? I didn't get that. What is Dramamine? Oh, it's uh it's anti nausea medicine. It's for like motion sickness. 
Oh, that's funny. This was going to go down, but... I have a question for you, Alex, because in season one, we gave Peg a point for this exact same situation. I was going to mention that. She got interrupted by the neighborhood watch, and I think in this one, she should get the point also because they were going to have sex fully. If he took his drama, mean. Okay. I agree. Okay. Okay, then she gets a point. Let's give her one point. So, did y'all notice the foot going under the bed? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right okay. before the episode ends? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you notice on the bed, Peggy covers it up so you can't really see it until she yeah, moves the, her arm up? The pre-hole? Yeah, the yeah. hole is already there in the bed for the, the, the blade to come through, <laughs> and she had it covered with her hand. Yeah. The way I made it work is I said... Well, it's just because he's done this before, so it's the hole from the last time. Yeah, you I can just, say I, that. It's also just a crappy hotel. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's more holes in the bed. You know, there actually is. I looked. Yeah. There are at least two other uh, areas where that green blanket is kind of ripped up. Okay. Now, if you really want to be a jerk about it. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> what? <laughs> what am I going to say? The length of the the blade and how could he have angled it to get straight up? Yes. <laughs> and, and anybody who's familiar with uh, any slashers have seen many a moment like that. Right. <laughs> they should have just had sex, right? I'm sure now, they would have died at some point during that. Oh, they could have got a double impalement like Jeff and Sandra in Friday 13th Part 2. Yeah, yeah well, oh, now you know Friday is... 13th names. Yeah, <laughs> this show is not ready for, for DP action, Alex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm gonna play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. And at dinner time, we stopped and walked back to the house to eat. And Mama hollered at the back door, y'all remember to wipe your feet. And then she said, I this morning from Choctaw Ridge Today Billy Last week on Married with Children What, what is that behind your back? What? Yep, somebody sure doesn't like tourists He chops them up 1972 1977 and 1982 Yep, every five years. Who you think's gonna get killed this time? We're here! <laughs> Nobody really likes poppies, but Al's happy anywhere. Uh, look here. Tonight at the high school, meet the man who met Andy Griffith. <laughs> Peggy is harder to please. Comfortable, Al? Does it matter, Peg? <laughs> Not really. Aw, oh, Peg. This was supposed to be my vacation. Get to work, Al. All right, get my Dramamine. <laughs> now, the Bundy vacation continues. So now we're in part two of this uh, Poppy by the Tree episode. How about the scene where, like, uh, they open the door or something? Oh, I think it's later on. I think it's when uh, Peg's tied up. And, oh, I shouldn't. Well, you saw it. What am I? Spoiler. 
pegs tied up, and you see the shadow of the guy, and it's just a man standing there with an axe silhouette. Yeah. I, you know, obviously it's not crazy, you know, they don't have a great director doing this or anything. I love that they kind of really played up the horror theme. It Like, somebody got really into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that, too. That's cool. You know, um, being horror fans, like, I, I like to see stuff like that. You know, one thing I wanted to bring up, and I think it's something most people will never notice, probably I'm the only one in the world, and I'm probably just reaching here, but uh, if you notice, the room number that the Bundys stay in is room number 22. And this whole thing is about a motel and a killer and this and that. So you you got to relate it to Psycho on some level. Well, the reason that's significant is because the number 22 is that's the amount of years that Norman Bates was locked up in the mental institution in between Psycho 1 and Psycho 2. So I thought, you know, if they're putting that much effort in, I, I don't think anybody really went that far, but I just wanted to throw that out there anyway. <laughs> so they run into the kid's room after this happens, screaming and everything, and an axe comes through the friggin' door like The Shining with Jack Nicholson. Like, <laughs> they are going all out here with this whole horror thing, man. And <clears throat> it's great. And then the whole family runs downstairs. It's the middle of the night. Al's tires are slashed and the payphone is dead. And that just makes you appreciate what time period we're in because how tired are we with the with the new trope of horror where they always have to find an excuse as to why people's cell phones can't work, you know? We don't yeah, have a signal because we're on it. T-Mobile. I hate it. But I understand it too. You have to explain it. You have to, or else people will question it. So you have to explain it, but it's annoying. I wish we could just all as, as an audience accept like, hey, there's no cell phones in this world. <laughs> yeah, like it, it follows. I was going to say, in certain movies I've noticed in horror lately, in newer horror movies, they don't even address cell phones. Like nobody uses them and nobody talks about them. Yeah. I, I feel like I would set my film, if I made one, in the... 80s or, or 90s simply to avoid cell phones how impressed was anyone else impressed with kelly yelling um that there's a killer upstairs like when she like flips out and is like yelling oh i'm gonna play that clip for everybody right now in case you don't remember how impressed you should be here you go uh, Dad? oh what there's a phone behind you. You might want to share this with the police. I mean, just tell them that we're in this dump. And if you have the time, why don't you tell them that there's a killer upstairs? <laughs> wow, that was good. Like, I was actually impressed with her acting, her facial expression, how she started off, like, very low and calm and then just kind of like, there's a killer upstairs. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was actually like, damn, Kel, like, it impressed me from an acting standpoint. Like, we should throw her in some slasher flicks. Yes. Oh, we should look it up if she ever was in any. This is when the uh, the everybody who lives in this area is, I don't know, a little TV-ish in a way. And starting with the sheriff. I love you, Al. Who cares? We're going to die. <laughs> what are you folks doing? Wedding ourselves. <laughs> Someone tried to kill us in our room. Oh, yeah. Must have been the guy who does that every five years. That wasn't in the brochure, Al. Storm washed the bridge out. 
That means the killer is stuck right here with us. Got him right where I want him. Well, might as well go back to bed now. <laughs> oh, if you folks can see him again, just holler. I'll try and find you. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, um, sometimes you favor comedy over realism. That's exactly what it is, you know? And you know what, Alex? What helps it, too? And I, and I was thinking this while watching it is that and we didn't really talk about this but this is one of the first episodes like we ventured out of the bundy's home a few times you know the shoe store and and peg's clock job and a a few other places but this is way different like this is a completely different like set completely you know it's not even set in the same town it's a completely different state um it's so far removed from the bundy house that it's almost like this is like a side thing. You know what I mean? So it it helps with it not being so grounded in reality because you said it in this fantasy town. Right, where everyone is so dumb, laid back, and they're hicks or whatever. Yeah. It's almost like they're mocking that type of person rather than even suggesting that, that a human being would react that way it's almost like it's more of a commentary on on backwoods people yeah the whole show the whole episode is satirical for slash films horror films uh you know country folk and uh you know just ridiculous over the topness like it, it's very you, there's uh, like the whole fork thing right like that's funny it's <laughs> funny it's so impractical but it's funny so it, everything is satirical in this episode so it's it's okay yeah it is and uh, so the the whole town is immensely disappointed that the Bundys are not dead. Uh, clearly, human life means nothing to them. Yo, oh, that just reminded me. <laughs> throwback, uh, throwback uh, joke here. Peggy goes, I love you, Al. And he goes, once again, will not say I love you. And instead says, who cares? We're going to die. <laughs> It's funny because I could see his point of view, but at the same time, it's like, dude, just just say it. Yeah, just say you love her. Uh. It's safe to go back up. Uh, excuse me, everybody. I don't mean to interrupt your meal, but I would just like to say thanks for rushing to our aid as I was screaming into the night. Does everybody realize that we were almost killed last night? Yeah, sure do. <laughs> well, then maybe I'm boring you. Isn't anybody else scared? No. no. You see, there is this axe-wielding maniac on the loose. Sometimes they can hurt you. Won't hurt us. He just kills tourists. <laughs> Eleven since 1962. I, I was curious as to why this town doesn't really has no reaction, and it, it's the whole thing is based on the fact that they know that he only kills tourists. So that's. That is supposed to be their way of selling this the behavior to us, basically. You know, if you tell us enough that, oh, it's okay, he only kills Taurus. You know, if you hear that enough, you eventually see these people's point of view. So that's how they sell these bizarre um, reactions to us. Now it gets like real horror movie stuff. The The bridge is washed out. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to bring up him him having the fork in his pants. They sit around the table backs to each other. When he wakes up, he is holding the fork, but he has his hands down his pants also. <laughs> Family meeting. We're out of here. 
Now, may I remind you that somebody has slashed our tires, the bridge is washed out, and somewhere in Honolulu there is a family going, ah. You can't let it alone, can you, Peg? Now, this is nice. Why can't we go to Hawaii? Why do we have to come here? Why do we have to take this car? You know, standing here with my loving family, I have a question. Why am I running from the axe? <laughs> You're right, Al. I'm sorry to keep harping at you. I mean, sure, there's a maniac stalking us. But what about all these nice people and the raw beauty that is poppies? Oh, God, I feel so low. It's beautiful here, Al. I'm having a blast. Thank your father, kids. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> And Al, you are an idiot. So, let's go pack, steal a canoe, and get the hell out of here. That's right, envy me. That's my wife, those are my kids, and I sell women's shoes. <laughs> what am I worried about? I was dead before I got here. Yeah, like, these lines just keep on coming, man. And it's funny because this episode rolls with so many great lines that I... As a writer, I'd be afraid that I'm, like, blowing it all in this one episode. <laughs> like, like literally, Al had, starting from Al, I love you, who cares, we're going to die, to uh, everything you just said and ending it with, I was dead before I got here, I would be afraid, like, guys, we're giving too many lines as this one show. And it's funny, because, man, those two guys, Michael Moye and Ron Levitt, are like this, this well of endless jokes. I just... I don't even understand it. But, uh, yeah, so I guess now they go upstairs. They have to clear out the rooms, make sure the killer's not in there. Al takes the plastic fork and just opens all the, you know, closet doors. He goes under the bed. He goes, ha, ha. like the stabbing motions oh. in case the guy's there. <laughs> oh, that that kills me. It like I was just like, man, who knew Al was so good at shanking people? Yeah, right. So that this is like the first thank your father kids. Thanks dad. That was the first one in this season, I guess. And as Jerry said earlier, maybe there was one earlier in season 1. We'll have to um find out one day. I don't know. I don't know who's going to go back and watch them all the less know, but I've been trying to figure out what episode it is, and I feel like it might be the um, Al quits his job episode. Maybe that's it. Uh, thank your father for why we have no food or this or that. Thanks, Dad. You know, something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was that. But Yeah, but you know what? No one's watching that episode again. That's the problem. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's very true. But, okay, so the dumb sheriff like the whole dumb sheriff joke i thought was stupid except for what's about to happen where al opens up the closet and it's the there's a, a guy in there and, <laughs> and he runs out and al chases him down and, and fight i had to say al is actually he's got some hands he can he can throw some punches <laughs> i was legit surprised by that but puts him in a headlock pounds his face in Lock him up, Sheriff. The rough stuff's all over. He's the killer. I got him with old dynamite and iron. 
But that's Delbert. So you don't arrest Delberts down here? What, is he sacred? The guy was in my closet. Now, Delbert, what were you doing in this man's closet? Come on, Delbert, I know your ma. I just wanted his camera. <laughs> now, what do you say, Delbert? Come on. I'm sorry. Now, go on, on, go on. <laughs> Being a little rough on him, aren't you, Sheriff? He's no killer. Just one of them kleptos. Hell, he's my deputy. He's with me last night. Oh, thanks, Roy. Uh, here's your camera. And then it finds out that this guy is the deputy, and Al did not shoot the deputy. And, uh... Wow, isn't that weird? Because there's an episode of Mario Children's Season 1 that says, but I didn't shoot the deputy. That's why I made the joke. It was oh. that good. <laughs> uh, but this deputy stole the camera, and then they handed it back to Al, and it's just completely broken. Like, I don't even understand how... Okay, he, this doesn't even make sense to me. The guy is still in the closet, but the camera is already broken downstairs. <laughs> Why is he still in the closet? And if they already knew that it was broken and everything... Hey, listen, he wasn't ready to come out of the closet yet, man. Uh, you, you know what? You're right. Who am I to judge him in 1987? Right, who are you to drag him out? Back then, it was different. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like... I just I feel so bad for Steve. The whole time when you when that camera happened, and then when the when the guy you know what we'll talk about soon when he destroyed the luggage, were you thinking of Steve at the time? Oh yeah, I was like I was like Steve's probably sitting on his couch right now, being like, please be okay, please be okay. <laughs> That's so amazing. I love that. Speaking of Steve. Because this ties in with the joke at the very end. I love how Al says, I'm taking my family back to Chicago where I die a little each day. It's like they pulled out every death joke possible for, you know, every murder, <laughs> mayhem, and killer joke ever for this episode. I want to testify. A woman! No, 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 let us not jump to conclusions. <laughs> hey guys, this is Annabelle here from the Married Children Podcast Facebook group. But I'm probably best known on the internet as Maridaniac, or sometimes Bundiana. But Maridaniac is how I'm best known. And I feel like my cover's been blown a little bit because, yes, I am a woman, and yes, I'm Australian. <laughs> I found the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, and I'm all caught up now. I just want to say I'm digging what you guys are doing. I think at first it was a little weird for me to hear other people discussing a show that I love and I know so well, and I'm, I'm loving hearing about season one again through fresh eyes and fresher ears. Oh, and Steve is awesome, by the way. Anyway, I'm that kind of fan that can identify the show by a single screenshot or can tell you what quote comes from which episode, etc. I have uh, a couple of websites. You can find them at albumdi.net slash Maridaniac. I have three sites there. There's a cast site, which is mostly devoted to the cast's filmography. And I also have a, a, a David Faustino fan site called Buddom, which 
comes from a Kelly quote. And my other site is to do with episodic things. But mainly what you'll find there are transcripts. So as, uh, not just transcripts, but you can find other scripts there too, like uh, first draft scripts, final draft scripts. So really interesting to read. Then you can see what never made it to air, what not even got filmed, stuff like that. It's pretty cool. I'm hosted by albundy.net. The webmaster, Dan, is fantastic for hosting my sites. He's another big Mary Children fan. Anyway, thank you for inviting me to say hi. Give a shout-out to you guys today. You've got a listener in Australia. I'll be listening to the shows. It's going to be a, a crazy ride. Season 1 was fantastic. I'm really looking forward to Season 2. And onwards, as you say, it's the beginning of the Married with Children golden years. Um, there's a lot of classics in Season 2. I'm thinking Girls Just Want to Have Fun, The Razor's Edge, A Little Bit of Mousetrap, and probably my favourite, Peggy Loves Owl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to all the discussions. Um, looking forward to more female perspective. That should be cool. And, yeah, if you ever need any help, hit me up. And happy to come back anytime. So all the best, guys. Enjoy the ride. Let's rock. Yeah. Ooh, but, but let's get into Alex's favorite part, Peggy bondage. Ooh, yeah. Peggy bondage. Now, Justin, is that where you noticed how hot she was when she was tied up to the chair? No, it was when she was on the bed, same as you. Yeah, man. It's the it's the legs for some reason. Like, I didn't realize. Well, I guess she never wears anything but those spandex pants, right? Is that why we never <laughs> noticed? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Now, how about, they even scored this episode, if you guys remember. It would have been cool if it was scored a little bit better. Like, I, I kind of do wish that they went a little further but scoring it at all is sort of a big deal because they don't ever score you're telling me that you was hoping they'd get bernard herman (laughs) or (laughs) give me a manfredini anything manfredini i'm sure you could have got manfredini at the time i I don't know why you're doing like slaughter high and stuff (laughs) why are y'all going so so low this could be a john williams action no there's lowbrow no we need no this is high class class redneck comedy and john williams is the only person who's going to bring that to par this is not a danny elfman situation yeah no but justin's right this guy's scoring slaughter high dude he he could do married children poppy by the tray (laughs) (laughs) i mean if anything the the high the most highbrow i'll go here is alan howarth other than that i ain't going any higher with this this score for this episode (laughs) i'm sorry so uh (laughs) so peg's tied up and the killer is standing behind her, and all you see is a silhouette of him in the axe. And she is she's playing the part. She's playing pretty good, man. Her she got the bug eyes. She's scared. Uh, I'm I'm believing the scene here. I know it's hard to believe. And Al's walking around looking for Peg, and he's wearing sandals with socks. <laughs> I'll I'll tell you this: living in in Florida. That's actually really common. Oh, God. You do not do that, man. No, like it is. I used to see it all the time and I've never understood it. Why? What is what is the point there? I can't. I can't right now. It is the most annoying thing to me in the world because I'm like, literally, there is not one good reason to do this. The whole point is to have free feet, guys. You don't put socks on. It doesn't make any sense. So anyway, <laughs> another trope that we get to for horror movies in this. This is like uh, our heavenly episode, man. Yeah, right. 
Right? I hope it's translating well. <laughs> Why am I doing this? Revenge? Oh, not just against you. All tourists. See, my daddy used to own this place. Mama didn't want him to buy it, but nobody ever listened to Mama. Yeah, Daddy had a weak heart. But did the tourists care? No, give me some towels. It's too hot. It's too cold. You call this food? We should have gone to Hawaii. Dad finally collapsed, bringing some fat woman a burger in the middle of the night. Mama committed suicide shortly thereafter. Right in this room. They left me all alone to take care of myself. A little kid of 20. <laughs> a burger in the middle of the night <laughs> like what motel would do that for you <laughs> like i'm sorry man <laughs> i've been to motels and no motel workers bringing you a burger in the middle of the night not not for eight dollars a night they're not dude not for 69 dollars a night or 119 or anything i mean yeah. they're not it's a motel <laughs> it's a motel <laughs> right they might take you in back for some sandwiches or something. Yeah, yeah, they'll tell you. Yeah, right, yeah, they might make a sandwich for you in the parlor. <laughs> Here's a bologna sandwich with mustard. Shut up. Yeah, and they'll, they'll fry the bologna for you if you're getting fancy that night. They won't, they'll microwave it for you, Alex. Let's not, let's, let's not kid ourselves. These days, yeah. Now, what do you think of that motivation, Justin? Is that, does that paint a good enough picture for you for what we're watching here? I mean, I think it's good enough. Yeah, yeah, and obviously it's, again satirical of the ridiculous motivations that like they're looking at horror films from not a fan perspective but from like are these things a ridiculous perspective and you know that's so, you know some of the lowbrow ones might have some explanations that are a little uh, <laughs> right in line with this yeah <laughs> just as a side note i don't know many axe wielding murderers i mean uh are there any famous horror movies where the guy just sort of uses an axe and nothing else i can't think of any uh yeah i just keep thinking of of jason with the axe part seven and, and, and which is a very odd coincidence because when he slammed the axe in the girl's face and threw her behind the tv <laughs> and part, oh, and, yeah and that's one of the greatest kills in the world and <laughs> the odd thing is that girl looks like kelly bundy in season one in a weird way with the short hair that only goes to her shoulders and it's not all like now Kelly's hair is all like uh, girls would know the terms, but it's all like flared out and stuff for the eighties <laughs> and nineties. We should, we should have Alex just talk, talk about uh, styles of hair for women. Like yeah, this one's kind of flary. And you know, yeah. I, like, call it the... this one, I don't know. It's got layers or something. Something like that. <laughs> and that's how I've been ever since alone. My parents lost their lives taking care of others. Now, who's going to take care of me? What? Oh, please, please, Mr. Maniac. <laughs> Don't kill me. I'll take care of you. Oh, yeah, sure. You tourists, you can't even take care of yourselves. No, 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 no. Believe me, I am really good at, uh... Uh, what do you call that stuff? Housework? That's it. I don't know. I like my place clean. I was born to clean. Dusting, I'm the best. Polishing.
crushing legend. And uh, what do you call those things, you know, that you, you push across the rug and they go... <laughs> A vacuum? I feel naked without one. Then you'll definitely have one. What about sewing? What about it? Do you do it? Happily. Washing? Your clothes? I'd be proud. Bloodstains, no problem. How about cooking? Oh, now we are really talking my life. Yep, just put me in front of a hot stove on a summer day. Four burners going, grease splattering into my face, mixing with all the sweat. Ah, oh, who am I kidding? I don't do any of that stuff. I don't do anything. I'm a housewife, damn it! Yeah. Just think, Peg is so petrified of work that she couldn't even keep this lie up on the odd chance that he might, like, buy into it and say, okay, fine, then come with me. Like, she, she was so afraid of actually, if she went with him, having to go through with any of these lies that she actually couldn't even lie long enough to get at least untied. <laughs> but look, I feel sorry for you. I know what it is to be alone. I have a husband and two kids. <laughs> go around killing them. <laughs> I mean, I might if I didn't have a TV. <laughs> you know, that could be the answer for you, too. Look, the next time that you get this killing urge, just do as I do. Grab yourself some bonbons, take the phone off the hook, pick up the old remote control, and remember, don't kill, watch Phil. I hate Phil. You are sick. Yeah, but I'm gonna be alive in the morning. <laughs> now, the killer tells Peg to bait Al into the room, and then she says, I'll never do that. He goes, okay, I'll just kill you first. She goes, Al. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, how believable is it to you that there is an attractive naked woman in, in this hotel, so attractive that Al forgot his wife's name. How believable is that to you? <laughs> well, you do have Becky there, so I guess there is a chance. Well, yeah, but Becky lives or, or does that lessen the chance? Because it's like, well, that's the hot one. No, I think it increases it because if she lives there, then you know that if somebody's coming from anywhere else, that they could be hot easily. Yeah, I don't know. So, axe in a suitcase? What's going on, Alex? Yeah, he goes to hit Al with a, an axe, and Al blocks it with Steve's suitcases. <laughs> and, then, and then he runs out and grabs another suitcase. He ruins both suitcases. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> Al does this weird thing where he headbutts his stomach and then gives him a, a right cross, knocks this guy out, and then runs to the bathroom and throws up over it. Like... <laughs> He goes, when you come after Bundy, you find trouble. Then he throws up, and then he comes back out and says, Bundy is the name, hero is the game. Yeah. <laughs> so now Al has captured the killer after being chased around the room by him. For for what this is, I think they fully fleshed out the climax, if you want to call it, of this whole killer situation. Uh, with the chase and the tie-up and the revenge explanation. And... A, a little bad choreography towards the end with uh, Al actually punching him. <laughs> right. Landed nowhere near his face, but, you know, right. whatever, it's TV. Yeah, well, like I said, it throws him a right cross. The guy's knocked out. Who is he 
Sheriff, who is the murdering scum? Uh-oh. Well, do we take him to jail now or hang him right here? You know who this man is, Bundy? Yeah. He's the killer. Yes. But he's also the man who met Andy Griffith. Oh, they never give him a name, believe it or not. And actually, at the end of the episode, I looked, and he's just listed as killer. And the guy who plays the killer is uh, Vic Pelosos. They should they should have listed him in the credits as the guy who met Andy Griffith. Met Andy Griffith. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> oh, Polizos. It's P-O-L-I-Z-O-S. That's his name, the killer. What are you doing? Making sure you didn't hurt him? See, Bundy, Dumpwater ain't much of a town. We only got two things. A serial killer and the man who met Andy Griffith. (laughs) We could probably stand to lose one or the other, but we'll be damned if we're gonna lose both. (laughs) Y'all better get going, Bundy. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's just crazy. <laughs> and and how creepy was it that the cook was like, I'd kind of like to keep the little white-haired girl. Uh, can you blame? I mean, uh, yeah, that was creepy. I know, but it sounds like he's about to put her in like a, a, a chicken cage. Oh, I'm sure. Take and her he was... in the back pantry and call her a baldy. <laughs> wow wow that was just too much man we're getting into sleepaway camp jokes here <laughs> I, i'm I really glad justin went like sleepaway camp because he could have went highbrow and was like it puts the lotion on the skin but no, no he kept it where it should be he kept it poppy and he went sleepaway camp exactly that's what we were trying to stress to you earlier with this whole score thing with this john ottman hey <laughs> Or John Williams, I mean. I was trying to shoot for the stars, man. There's two end gags. The first one is how the Bundys forgot to take the kids when they left. And I believe they also forgot to take them on the way to Florida once they stopped off at that uh, Pez place. Uh Uh-huh. In this episode, it's kind of very strange. They're on vacation and forgot to take the kids twice which is very Home Alone-ish. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the episode of the final punchline is, of course... Where's my luggage, Marcy? Steve, please, I'm sick of hearing about your luggage. Can we talk about something else? Fine. Where's my camera, Marcy? <laughs> Steve, you're obsessive. I am not obsessive. <laughs> I just know they have taken that luggage and gone off somewhere. Right, Steve. I'm sure they're going to build a whole new life around your luggage. And my camera. There's no place like home. Steve, here's your luggage and your camera. That they go to their own house and Steve is there. They go, here's your luggage and camera. And they drive in the opposite direction once again. And that's the end of the episode. No Ma'am will be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Just type in www.facebook.com slash groups slash married with children podcast. Be sure to subscribe to them on iTunes and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. 
To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now the guys are going to give their final thoughts and ratings of this week's episode. All right, guys. Well, that was our double feature right here. We weren't here last week. We started moving the show to Wednesdays. We didn't do it the first Wednesday after our final Friday show. We let it breathe a little bit before we got to season two. We need a vacation anyway. I mean, we're, we've been going hard. And in the end, it's really the same thing as, as not have taken a vacation because we knocked out two episodes in a row. So we're right back on schedule, which is really cool. So guys, let's rate Poppies by the Tree. How many special towels with a note that says get out now do you give this episode justin well uh this episode i think has strong points and low points obviously uh i love the being a horror fan i I love like the horror movie stuff that they did it was a cool it was a cool you know idea and you know there's a lot of like whether you call them like satirical moments or homage moments whatever they were they were cool to see uh, and there's actually a lot of jokes in, in these two episodes. It feels like one long episode. It really does. You know, that sometimes you don't get that with two parters, but, um, it, you know, if there wasn't a little break where you had to click the next play button, you know, it would just feel like one long episode and credit scenes and stuff. But, you know, lower points were the, just how ridiculous at times it could get. Um, but I thought it fit enough, you know, I wasn't like mad or anything like that. Um, I, I like it for a two-parter episode. I'm not sure about like an opener, like an opener for the season. You don't think going on vacation is a good opener? I think going on vacation is a good opener, but the style of episode, I'm not sure is like the best opener because it doesn't really represent the show, at least from, from my point of view on how much I've seen of it, you know, because it is so silly. And I think right. that an audience tuning in maybe for the first time they heard good things about it last season and it's like oh it's come it came back i'm gonna check this show out i'm not sure it's a great representation of it um but i still i still very much enjoyed this episode i'm gonna go ahead and give it three and a half special towels with a note that says what did the note say get out now get out now on them nice uh jerry how many towels you give in this episode now, I agree with Justin on the opener fact. I don't think this should have been the season opener because it takes you – he's right. If you were a first-time viewer, you would be really thrown off because you don't understand the Rhodes characters. You don't understand the Bundy characters, and you're not dealing with them in their home environment. You're dealing them outside. But throw all that out of the window – I actually give this a five out of five. It is great storytelling. Um, even for because it's a sitcom, I can completely forgive all of the absurdities, even the the like joke I don't like. I can forgive all of that because from start to finish, it feels like one episode, and it, it runs like that. Like I, like I started, I watched both episodes. And it feels like only one episode has went by. It feels like it's only been 30 minutes. I love that we get to see... I said I would only give five out of five to special episodes. And I do feel like this is a special episode. Mostly because this is our first real introduction to what uh, Bud will become. 
Um, they just advance Kelly's character a little bit by focusing more on her being into guys. But for Bud, we actually get to really see him because in season one, I don't feel like we do it all. And we start seeing a goofier side of Al that Alex pointed out. And, and at first, I really just chalked it up to, well, this was just a goofy episode. But as we've done this review, I'm actually sitting here like, okay, it is a goofy episode, but it is also a a, a goofy owl. And he does, it reminds me of season one when he's talking about the timeshare he bought. Yeah, yeah, right. That absurd was like a foreshadowing to how absurd that they were going to get sometimes. That is really... Wow, that's so profound. Th- that line, that entire conversation about Lake Chick- Chickamacomico is <laughs> the exact, wow. That is, is like it, the antithesis of the absurdity which will become Al Bundy. I swear to you, at the beginning of this review, this was a 4.5 for me. And then as we were, as I got in, like me and you were getting into it about how I don't feel like they changed that much. And then it was like, then something in my brain clicked and I said, all right, I've got to really, really think about this episode as we go through it. And now I'm at the end of it and I'm like, and I was chalking up the absurdity of Al in this, the goofiness of Al to just this episode. It was just how this episode was written. But right at the end of it, I started thinking about him talking about his timeshare, talking about, or talking about the land he bought on the lake. And I was like, no, this is just Al. Al does some, we just didn't see his full goofy side in the first season. And now we're really starting to see it. And Alex knows this because he's seen every episode, you know, 20 times. He knows to, the, the goofiness stands out more to him. He's not, you're not tricked by the, by the episode being goofy because right. you know, no, this is just Al. And I've only seen uh, like 75% of the shows once when I was, you know, 10 to, to 17. Right. So because of all that, even though the whole premise of this show was absurd, it was not absurd as in uh, the who's the boss episode. This premise actually works. And even the sitcom-esque uh overacting and over characterizations from like the sheriff and, and other uh, townspeople. It still works in the show and it, it works to show, to show how goofy the show is going to be because it is a sitcom. It's not all 16 years and this is what I get. Like it's not. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. That's not what this is. And uh, Peg was hot. Um, Need a little bit more Steve. But the, the, the one Steve gag that we had was perfect. And it's really hard to show that scene in a podcast. So that's one scene you need to, to watch. So five out of five. Alex, take over. Yeah. The one thing I didn't get to here was I, I mentioned it like three or four times. I somehow forgot to talk about it. The ridiculous way for just TV show kind of thing writing for the townspeople is when I forgot exactly the moment, but they come downstairs screaming about the killer and then 
they just keep playing cards and don't even look up to to see what they're yelling about or anything. Like, and they even like lay a card on top of something like that. They're trying to distract these people and say, "Hey, there's a killer here." Do you guys remember that scene? Yeah, that it didn't really strike me as odd, but now that you say it, I see it. Oh God, that was where you like roll your eyes and you're like, "Okay, yeah." <laughs> yeah. That was, like, the aspect that took it out for me. Like, these guys are way into this killer thing. Even if you want to take it on a minimalistic level and say, oh, shut up, it's a TV show. Okay, but even so, these guys are acting like they're way into it. They're gambling. Wouldn't you think they would take a major interest? Oh, oh, I think it was the scene where the guy was in the closet stealing their camera. Yeah. (laughs) And they thought they, they said the killer's up there, you know? So these guys should have believed that at that moment, and they didn't even react to it. That was just odd. And you're right. They, the sheriff, because that's the next morning, and the sheriff says, oh, I looked through the room, and there's no one there. But then it turns out the deputy is in there, and he's already been up there, stole the camera, came back down, and then I guess he was looking at it with the sheriff. So when the sheriff came back down, the deputy just shot back up there and went into the closet. Uh, yeah, it's somewhere. I forgot the exact sequence. It might have been after the midway section and they ran down saying that they had a knife go through the bed and then they went up there and came down. But he's, I don't know. But either way, like that was the kind of thing I was talking about. Just taking it a little too far with, you know, that type of thing. But, uh, all in all, uh, I love that it was a, a horror episode. I thought they did a really good job of putting in all the tropes it was cool they threw a tiny little bit of score in there i thought it was creative i thought the jokes were great uh the only jokes i wasn't too crazy about unfortunately for jerry is bud's whole thing where you heard of chevrolet that's me you heard of this that's me that was so funny yeah i i don't know i might have thought it was funny when i was younger but now i don't really get that humor, I guess. So no, because because like a kid is dumb enough to think that he can say things like that and get away with it. Because how many little kids have you known where they've like claimed credit for something that you know they didn't do? Oh yeah, no, I get it. I totally. It's a very well. It's totally something a kid would do. Totally, but I don't appreciate it anymore. I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I don't get that type of thing anymore. I just, I don't know, maybe I'm, I don't know, changing in that way. You know Coca-Cola? That's me. That's me, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. You know? Um. So, but, uh, you know, with that there, either way, don't matter. Um. I still think it was done really well. It was so cool to see this family evolve into what they will become. So great to see these signs of it. So great that they first got these new directions or something. I don't know what occurred to everybody, but uh, I think they all, I'm not going to say nailed it exactly yet. They still haven't. They will. But here, they did a damn good job for this new direction that they took all their characters in. Because they just spent a whole season doing their characters and now they were told okay guys we're we're doing we're going a little different now for now on with the show and they only had three months to prepare like we talked about and that could have been even less because filming and editing and everything else it could have been less 
Um, so yeah, they did a really great job for what they were given. As far as like, is it a great first episode for the year? I'm going to say yes because of the vacation aspect, but I will agree no because of how jarring it must be to see such an over-the-top. Like, for example, the next episode, If I Were a Rich Man, that would seem like more of the kind of characters you want to give as your first episode of the year. This is so exaggerated and absurd it is probably jarring for the person who just got done with the first season. So I'll agree that that was not the best idea, I guess. But, it, you know, here we are 30 years later. It all worked out. So what do we know? So I'm going to go ahead and give this episode a 4.5 out of 5. I really, really like it. Great time watching it. So fun to relive it. And, yeah, it's one big episode. And a great start to our season, too. I had fun talking about it, so hopefully you guys did, too. Sounds like you did, so we are good. All right, guys, so tune in next week when we review the episode I just mentioned, If I Were a Rich Man. Al is suspected of stealing from Steve's bank. That's going to be interesting. That sounds interesting. I love that episode. Oh, boy, I am exhausted. And, guys, I didn't mention it because we had to start the show, but earlier there was a little incident in the champagne room. Things got a little crazy with me and my chick. It's just a mess in there. We got to do something. Uh, oh, Justin, can you hook us up with like some of those special stripper towels? Like, can you ask Candy? Uh, see, um, nah, uh, let's not say the C word around here anymore. Um, yeah, let's just, let's just not talk about that. <laughs> But that's how Jerry always refers to women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. oh my god. Oh my god.